Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. church then you should be here because we are here at 1714 east 7th street in ebor city where it all began and you are about to jump into the rotation Welcome back. You know, we actually took a week off. We actually brought, uh, we taped the show a couple of days right. early, and half then a week, week half a week. Half. This guy takes off to uh, Vegas to check out the uh, the trade show, which I hear was insanely cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was really big. It's good to see, like you know, you. I've been, you know, this industry is going fast for so long, and yeah, it just kind of like it's not like it stopped, but like it just like took like a weird blow or something and now everything's just kind of back to normal like going to las vegas going to see all the companies out there at the las vegas champs and seeing that the there's people still in this industry is still being innovated it's still still going man it's awesome Woo! yeah i i honestly honestly goodness when we we first got started on this just trying to make this legal i don't think i ever saw the business side of it coming up behind us like a giant groundswell uh-huh. but it, it really has has taken over and is now heading towards possible even com- uh, commodity ship, uh-huh. where you're going to see this stuff kind of being put into uh, your frosted flakes. Well, maybe not the frosted flakes. That's kind of like a kids thing. But the the thing is, cannabis has definitely taken a life of its own, in, in business wise, in this country. Well, well, it's cannabis brands now. I'm wearing a cookie shirt. Look, cookie shirt. Um, cookies is a cannabis by burner his uh marijuana whether or not you like it or we want to call him uh big cannabis or whatever but still this brand that's being sold in clothing stores and that's being sold like you can uh this place called flight club in in miami that sells like these urban sneakers you can buy cookies you know, like this is just like like it's part of our culture. There's people out there that are just like there. It's possible that there's a, a cannabis brand that could be akin to Gucci at one point, and okay. I think that's awesome. Gucci cannabis. Gucci cannabis. Does it come with loafers? There could be there could be like a lady like a Karen at like the mall, and that's like you know like my marijuana is better than yours. You call the manager. Ah. Anyways, I, we we forgot to actually introduce ourselves. This is how how good we are on Sunday mornings. I am po- Jerry Stein, your loop, political man. director here at Suncoast Normal, <laughs> and the masters of public health. Out of the trio of us, over here to my right, your left, is Carlos Angel Armida, coming back fresh from Vegas at the Champs Show, and not here today is our, our executive director, Chris Cano, who I believe uh, deported himself to Spain yeah. for his birthday. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> being Cuban, wanted to go ahead and check out his roots. And to everybody in Tampa who call, call, calls Cuban folks Spanish folks, that's fine. I'm confused with that, but we're working on that. <laughs> now, we, we, were, we were getting to the fact that this is a whole crazy oh. new industry. And I got to say, one thing that one of our other candidates who came on uh, last week was uh, uh, new, uh, Wenge Newton, is that we have to have a strong medical program. And that is quite true in the state of Florida, because that is how we got started here. We have to take care of having access to uh, having uh, this product to the patients. And yet everybody thinks it's already a, like they call it a recreational market and, and an adult use market. If we don't have a solid medical cannabis market where we are getting access to this medicine to patients, then we are lost. But we're gonna get into that later on. Anyways, what the, the thing that we're starting up right now is the fact that here we are at the begin at the end of July, which is the beginning of the last month before the primary here in the state of Florida. And we are gonna see some changes this year. We are gonna see some changes in the state legislature. Uh, we're gonna see some changes in the federal leg legislature. We're gonna see uh, in the executive branch changes and we're hoping- I'm scared. I really <laughs> am. I don't think these are good changes, man. Well, it, it depends on who you go out and vote for. And it, the whole thing is you need to know who you are voting for. And if you happen to be in the Orlando area, which is the area that is currently being uh, uh, taken, care, taken care of by Stephanie Murphy, which is a Congressional District 7. You'll see that Stephanie is not running this year. And so this is what is called an open seat. And we're going to wait and see who gets it. And the first thing that's going to happen, of course, is the primary on August the 23rd. And one of the primary candidates is our guest here today, Al Krolik. Al is a veteran of the political scene. I mean, <laughs> we always say we don't want uh, politicians in office, but then again, in experience counts, doesn't it? Are you asking me that? <laughs> yeah. Um, that for an unexpected segue. <laughs> well, hi guys. Good morning. Look, um, my experience um, has been largely as a political operative in other people's campaigns for the last 38 years. But I also ran for Congress before myself against entrenched Republicans in red districts because nobody else had the gumption to do it and nobody gets a free pass. So my political experience so far as a candidate has been 0 and 3. Um, but you know, this time I think may be very different. Uh, I think maybe uh, the Republicans have overreached. We've got some angry women out there. Uh, we've got some uh, sane Republicans, there's a couple of them. And if the Democrats come out, uh, we can potentially uh, keep their seat blue. And that's, uh, that's my job over the next couple of months. I intend to win the primary, and then I intend to take on whatever far-right uh, extremists the Republicans nominate for their candidate in November. That's but, a good um, point, man, that, that the Republicans have overreached. I know that I, I said that I, I was a little scared of what's going to happen. I, I'm honestly scared that Florida is going to turn into a primary, like, dark red state. You know what I mean? Well, We've always you know, been that, bit, that purple. but South Dakota. Yeah. yeah. Listen, listen, when I talk to <laughs> – when South I talk Dakota. To, when I talk to people on the stump, they're terrified of the Republicans, what they're yeah. doing. They're scared, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, concerning the war on drugs, look, you can see that I'm not a kid anymore. I've been doing this for a long time. The first time I ran for Congress was 26 years ago, and I was sanity of the war on drugs. You know, your, your, your other guest gets thrown in, in jail for 27 years. I mean, that's, that's medieval. 
That's insane. The war on drugs has been such a disaster, such an enormous disaster for 80 years in this country. And and um, it's it's always been it's always been based on racism and it's always been based on classism. I'll tell you a couple of historical notes that people don't generally or relate to, but this is the kind of hypocrisy. When the war on drugs started, when, when the war on marijuana started back in the 1930s, Harry Anslinger was the guy who was uh, picked by Hoover to run the, uh, the department. And uh, their excuse was, we got to arrest these people, especially Mexicans, you know, because marijuana was going to make them violent and they were going to rape our women and kill our children. Okay, so marijuana needed to be illegal because it made people violent. Go up about 30 years during the Red Scare in the 1950s, and the same Harry Anslinger says, we have to make, keep marijuana illegal because it makes and ripe for a communist takeover. <laughs> so either marijuana made you dangerous because you were, you were going to get violent or because you were going to sit around and not do anything against the red menace. And meanwhile, lives, thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of lives are being ruined by this disastrous, insane policy. And I'll tell you one other story. I will never get out of my mind the sound of rubber gloves snapping on a wrist. Mm. Do you know why? Okay. As a young man, <laughs> I traveled talking, a lot. Are we talking digital exams or what? Yes, we are. So I'm driving um, across country, and uh, I'm I'm starting from I think Maine, going to California, and there was a point where I drove through Canada. So now I'm going back into the border, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Now at that time, I Lovely still, face. you know, I had a beard, I had long hair, I looked like the enemy. I looked like Richard Nixon's enemy. And Richard Nixon had the war on drugs was so prime for him. So I'm coming into the border and I get pulled over. And I'm thinking, naturally, I'm going to get pulled over. Look at the way I look. So these guys are starting to search my car. And I'm, I'm, there's no drugs in my car. I'd have to be stupid to do something like that. So I, I start joking with them. I say, well, by the way, I lost a contact lens. If you guys find it, let me know. Ha, 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 ha. Guy opens the glove compartment, reaches in, and pulls out half a marijuana cigarette, a roach. He says, is this yours? What the hell no? What kind, of, what kind of idiot do you think I am? Well, that was, that was the beginning. Now I'm being pulled into the room. I'm being told to strip. I'm being told to bend over. And Jeez. I hear that snap of a glove on the hand, which I will never forget. I didn't find anything anywhere, especially where they were looking. And they just sent me on my way. And now that someone's going to go write in the book that they stopped one desperado and searched him because they've got now they've got another number so it was all a joke it's all a game but it's a dangerous game so when i started running for congress 26 years ago i was talking about the war on drugs when nobody else touched the subject no the subject it was too radical but i was right then and i'm right now the only difference is that the times have caught up with me and and um Hey, the Senate now wants to pass a law decriminalizing, making it making it legal, and hopefully taking off of Schedule One as a dangerous drug, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> what the what the scuttlebutt is is that the Biden administration, Biden is kind of 
you know, he's he's dancing on this because he's he's still worried about the Hunter Biden thing and you know, and that his son was a cocaine addict and marijuana is a gateway drug, yada 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 yada. But maybe, maybe sanity will prove look at me, I'm seventy years old. I don't have a whole lot of time to keep dumping on this campaign. The law's gotta change. We got more important things to do than to try and end this insanity, although it's important, I realize that. So I still talk about it. Um, it's not front page anymore I, because other people are talking about it. Al, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you. Uh, I, I agree that uh, it, it's gonna happen soon. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, Biden's gonna do it. I don't know whether or not he will. But one thing that we've definitely learned here in Florida is that it's not just legalizing marijuana or legalizing medical marijuana. It's how it's implemented. Right. Um, how do you see that being implemented? What do you feel is the most responsible way to to implement legalization? Oh, I just think it's it needs to be like alcohol. It needs to be legalized. It needs to be taxed. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's 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 safer than cigarettes. It's safer than alcohol. It's safer than all. Of, listen, if if this country wants to deal with drugs, they got to start dealing with the opiates and and the fentanyl, killing people. No one dies from mm. marijuana. Nobody ever, zero, ever died from marijuana. And the scare tactics that these people are still relying upon are just old and tired and worn out. They need to just stop the BS. Now, in terms of in terms of uh, dealing with people who have drug problems, up the care uh, that people uh, need. Look, other countries. Every country that's legalized marijuana has not found that use goes up. In fact, it generally goes down, you know. Um, so there is no downside, none, to absolute legalization. None. I agree. The upside is, the upside is tax revenue. You know, that's the upside. You look and and I might be a bit of a radical <laughs> the, for the most, but uh, you look at uh, the science behind this and a lot of the things that are scare people and you know okay so uh a lot a lot of the idea behind legalization we got to make it 21 and up can't get in the hands of kids right in many ways i'm in in a radical sense i would say that it's better that kids have access to this i really do feel that way i think if kids are smoking marijuana there's less chance of them doing heroin you well, know? yeah, but the point, too, is if you prohibit something to a teenager, it's only going to enhance its allure. So mm -hmm. this is what's happened in other countries. Absolutely. The idea of like, oh, if we legalize it, all the kids will get it. And the exact yeah. opposite is look at Portugal. The exact opposite yeah. has happened. Once you take away the prohibition, it's 100%. just it's it's no longer like forbidden fruit. 13. I mean, I don't understand no, why, why people in this country are so uninformed so uh you know they they you know uh, that's the word you know i was going to use other yeah. words other epithets but let's stick with uninformed <laughs> so, sometimes i say ignorant <laughs> yeah that, that's such no, an ignorant but, thing to uh, say isn't it but but in <laughs> I, you mentioned you mentioned portugal and spain you know i remember right. seeing the culture in spain and like seeing a 13 year old in in, in a bar in Spain, they weren't drinking or anything. They were just in there, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> and, and the guy, the guys in Spain, 
and we're like, it's okay. He's allowed to be in here. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even want to drink any of this shit. He... <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't tell... I wouldn't tell a teenager to do or not do anything, but if they ask my opinion, I would simply say alcohol is going to be more dangerous to your body, to your mind, and to your future than marijuana could be. But I'm not I'm not going to say go and drink or don't drink, go and smoke or don't smoke, go and, you know, that's not that's not my purview. You know, but if they were going to ask me my opinion, I would I would I would tell them. I've told my kids the same thing. You know, and then, you know, and yet back in the 1500s, alcohol was used in, quote unquote, medicinal purposes, sometimes as anesthesia and other situations, but never quite made the pharmacopoeia, did it? Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but cannabis definitely did. Here's one quick question I wanted to ask you, because I know we're, we're running short on your time. Yeah. and I want to make certain you get you get a chance to uh, to say what you got to say is that here we have a, a product right now that is uh, medically acceptable by almost 92% during the, as far as the last poll is concerned. And as far as uh, for adult use, around 69%, which means this is a bipartisan issue. And yet when it comes to politics, which started the prohibition in the first place, uh, <clears throat> politics is almost always partisan. So the question it is lately come, almost completely partisan. Exactly right. So in, in order for someone to actually try to make the program better, they have to work with people on a bipartisan basis. And yet we are so divisive right now. In fact, I got a quote uh, from one of our constituents of our show uh, over, uh, over the weekend uh, asking about why we have all these far left un <coughs> unelectable people. <laughs> because in, in, in this guy's mind, if you're not endorsed by Trump, you have no you have no reason to be in politics. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Hey, by the yeah, way, you got Mark my Santiago you got my website somewhere. wrong. It's not the four. Is it's actually spelled F O R. Krulikorecongress.com. Oh, yeah, see what happens when after you're a certain age, you start to actually spell out what numbers instead of actually using the numbers. <laughs> look, this look, is, like, this is this, in I, text I, messaging. I, 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 we had a, we had a forum the other night with all the uh, all the candidates, and they were asking uh, everyone if bipartisanship was good and possible and all the republicans just said paid lip service and they went oh yeah yeah we got to work together blah 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 they they don't work together in congress and, and then i said something which quite frankly probably annoyed a lot of people i said until we put a stake in the heart of trumpism and reject the big lie partisanship is impossible and that's what i believe i i i prefer to work with other people but you can't work with people I, I How do you do you. that? How do you talk to them? How do you work with people who are in a cult? Uh, what is that quote? I think it's uh, Adams or some shit like that, where it's like uh, 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 logic to the ignorant is like administering medicine to the dead. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like one yeah. of those atheist things. If I'm elected, I'll work with anybody who's, who's, who's sane. But I don't know how to work with people who are not sane. I, I, that's something that beyond my ken at this point. Well, you again, uh, you're coming up on a primary, and you've got a couple of, of uh, candidates uh, up against you. Yeah. And uh, what what would you say to the audience I hear is one of the main reasons why they should consider you for this position as opposed to your opponents? Oh, why? Well, I'm the only person who has the, who has the depth of experience in politics and campaigning. I'm the only person who has a real long-standing and deep relationship to the district. 
uh, two of the candidates don't live here. They have people, they have no relationship to the towns and cities. They kind of jumped in the race. One of those candidates falsified her academic credentials. So she's kind of eliminated herself as a viable candidate. And the other candidate's a nice woman who doesn't seem to have much of an agenda. So I feel that I'm the most capable, I'm the most experienced, and I believe I've got the most rhetorical skills because they're gonna, they're gonna nominate somebody who's well-financed and polished. And I have to go up against that person and destroy all of their insane arguments. And I don't think the other candidates have the capacity to do that. They're good people, they're well-intentioned. They don't have the skills, they don't have the, the relationship to the district. I encourage people to go look at my website, krulikforcongress.com, check out my Facebook page. I've lived and worked and raised my family here for 30 years to prevent the Republicans from taking this seat. I'm the only one who can do it. And we greatly appreciate you you coming on the show. Uh, I guess we have some uh, some links for people to go ahead and contact you, but it all possible. Yep. Oh, yeah, I can put that in the chat. Okay, good. Al, we thank you for coming on. Uh, look you, forward to, to, to seeing you in, in the generals, maybe. And that, Definitely. That, that, would be, that would be a great race because we, we want to see keep how, up, how keep up the good, Keep up the good fight, okay, because it's, it's not over. It's moving in the right direction, but it's not over. We have, to, we, have to, we have to get the marijuana legalized on a national level, and we've got to get these people out of jail, and we've got to expunge their criminal with their lives. This war on drugs has destroyed too many families, too many lives. It's got to end. All right. Al, thank you very much. It's great to have you on, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. You betcha. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. <laughs> okay. That's, that, act, believe it or not, is guest number one today. We actually have more people coming up. And coming up next is uh, somebody you may have heard about in the news uh, during the last two years where you were told to stay home and so many people did and so many people didn't. Uh, how many times did you get COVID? Uh, twice hey, here, times. Here I sit next to you and I never caught it. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. That, that, that is the reason between, <sighs> between you and I. I have a history that has to do with public health. I don't believe that public health is tyranny. And I don't believe that spreading around misinformation necessarily is a good thing. You think you think I think public health is tyranny? I think we no, should. No, I don't healthy. think you're not. No, you don't think that. <laughs> you, you, you just don't, don't want to pay attention. To, no, you you were out I, and about. You're, I'm just a stoner and forget to wear man. my mask. Man. And you were in a uh, <laughs> a necessary business, right? Yeah, exactly right. And one of the necessary businesses you have to have out there is is informing the public. There's a difference between fear and awareness. Uh, a friend of mine from the CIA used to say. And that means basically those people who are afraid run away from the situation. And those people who are uh, aware are able to figure out how to resolve the problem. And in this, I would like to introduce our next guest here, uh, Ms. Rebecca Jones. I say Ms. I know that I know you're a married lady. We saw your house <laughs> in, that, in that viral video where they came over and knocked on your door because you dared go up against the governor and tell him that he wasn't quite putting out all the information that needs to be out. So they went ahead and knocked on your door. And now you've gone from being the, uh, the Avenger of, of COVID and actually getting the information out there to running against <laughs> one of our favorite people here in the state of Florida in regards to Congressional District 1. Um, uh, Gates, for those people Yay. who are not aware, helped work on the uh, the first bill that ended up being... Uh, SB 1040, 1030, 
which started the cannabis industry here in the state of Florida. Then he went to Cal. Then he went to Some Washington D.C. and kind of went bunkers, which <laughs> anybody could see. And, and to that end, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to uh, Rebecca Jones. Rebecca, how are you doing today? Good. I am in my car with my actually entire family. So if it's a little loud or bumpy, <laughs> let me just apologize ahead of time. But thank you guys for having me on. Well, just you, what's you, up to the fam, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but guys, you okay. you, you there, there they are. Hi. Hi. She will stop the car and turn the car around. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess the first question I have is, what made you decide to, to uh, do a 180 and, and go from being public servant to uh, hoping to serve the public? <laughs> well, um, I've always worked in public service. I, when I graduated from college, you know, I could have just taken my education and worked for the oil and gas industry and made a lot of money. Um, but that's not what I wanted. That's not how I was raised. So I went into public service to be a scientist. And... I was planning on spending the rest of my life in public service until, um, you know, COVID and the governor decided to intervene. And so um, I, I want to keep doing it. And I think I was for a long time trying to figure out what exactly that looked like. Um, for a while, it was just doing the news, making sure that people had correct information. Um, and I think that I gotten a little frustrated with seeing that you could be on the news, you know, five times a day all over the country. And unless you're one of the people who's making the laws, it can only do so much. And um, I grew up in this area that I'm running in and um, I'm very unfortunately familiar with Matt Gates before this happened. Um, so I've, I heard about the sex trafficking investigation and I thought, you know what, that's enough. I'm tired of waiting for somebody else to stand up and do the right thing. I'm going to do it myself. And, you know, if I don't win, then at least I tried. At least I did something different. But we're going to win. So it's going to work. <laughs> CD1 is interesting. I mean, all, all the time. I always say it's a one horse town and the horse is on meth. But <laughs> it, it, it is a diverse district between breaking bad for horses i mean even just pensacola versus pensacola beach you, you can tell you've got a huge swing in regards to the different types of people that you have out that way and uh, i know uh, matt's father don very interesting guy good old country lawyer uh <laughs> country pharmacist <laughs> and yet uh he actually was very much into cannabis though he wouldn't say so much uh when when matt was growing up that was one of the reasons that uh he actually got involved in this so we are we are evolving i think uh, we can get past matt but we need to have some who, who gets it who gets the fact that you that, that truth she, is is kind of important she, uh, matt gates that well probably the second thing that pisses me <laughs> off the most about him probably the first things the, the sex trafficking but the second thing that pisses yeah. me off the most about him uh, you know, I want to. I'm just gonna say one of the things that pisses me off about him um, is it's honestly like how Gary introduced him. Like we have to say that he played a hand in the cannabis industry here in Florida, and the truth is, is that he ruined it. He destroyed it. You know what I mean? He made it possible for this system to be this uh, oligopoly. Am I saying that right? Yeah, oligopoly. Yeah. Right, I swear I'm an MBA, 
<laughs> he he made it possible for this oligopoly and he made it possible to like take small business out of the cannabis industry i read the fact that sometimes the rhetoric goes in his favor in this way and i really would like what what you would do to kind of like correct that well i think first of all we need to be legalizing marijuana for recreational use nationwide and allow people mm -hmm. to grow it themselves and certainly allow them to have small businesses to do it yeah, yeah. i know that matt gates has tried to create this image of himself that he's so pro marijuana, but he was only ever interested in controlling the licenses that were issued to make sure they exactly. only went into a handful of people that he was politically or financially connected with. So he was hardly a champion of marijuana, although I will say being pro marijuana in any sense is an improvement over a lot of the conservatives that we have. Still, this has been a fight that we've been in since they made it illegal. It's as ridiculous as prohibition was when they made a constitutional amendment for it. It's well past time. You know, we're finally looking to take it off the Schedule One drugs list, but that's not enough. We need to be making it legal nationwide. It would completely reimagine our entire prison system, our entire judicial system. I mean, all think of all of the people who have records that could be expunged for something as simple as possession or, you know, distribution of small amounts of marijuana that are now barred from all kinds of activities, from jobs, from background checks, when it was not in harm, you know, it wasn't a harmful crime. There's a lot that we could do that would completely revolutionize how we view the war on, you know, drugs and personal use. And so I'm, I'm absolutely in favor of that all the way. Now, you and I have, have a lot of uh, background things in common. I worked for the Centers for Disease Control for a good portion of two decades, helped to create CDC Wonder and the VARES and things of that sort. So I, I was really dismayed when I saw that one of the big pushes in politics is to disseminate. And that's that's actually one of the reasons that we have the, the, the cannabis program as we are right now, because misinformation was spread back in the turn of the century and into 1937 and again in 1970 when the Controlled Substance Act. And it's all basically based on information which was not verifiable. Mm -hmm. And science is repeatable, verifiable information. And yes. so and any kind of law that is actually based on misinformation eventually will become legitimate if they say it long enough and people forget the fact that it was illegitimate in the first place. And that's what I was concerned about in regard to COVID, that, that if people actually believed every single thing that came out as far as misinformation is concerned, we would go down the wrong path and this would this pandemic would be endemic forever, essentially. And, and well, that is kind of what we dealt it's with. it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm probably just more eager than most to um, have that chapter of my life closed. Um, I've caught COVID twice. I got it in January of 21 and actually just a few weeks ago at Leadership Blue in, in mm. Tampa, which ended up being a super spreader event. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's I'm more prepared than anybody to get over it and for that chapter to be closed. But that's not what people like Ron DeSantis wanted. Um, and that is why we continue to struggle as much as we do. And of course, now we're seeing this anti-vaccine movement that had existed but was mostly fringe and slowly gaining ground explode and you know i'm sure you've heard recently that monkeypox is um at a large risk right now to become a pandemic and uh they've been worrying about it for about 16 years now i think it was 16 years ago they said if this man is to find a pocket of people who are not inoculated against smallpox this could be a pandemic and um 
it happened. And, and just so people, anybody's listening know, monkeypox is much more similar to smallpox than it is chickenpox. They're not like chickenpox, um, so please don't confuse those. It, that's not the same thing. It's just pox. Well, for those people uh, who go who go around checking out people's shoulders during the, su the summer when people are wearing sleeveless things, those people who have a little circle on their shoulder are the ones that had the smallpox yep. vaccine back in the 60s and 70s. Thing, I was part of the smallpox eradication team, so I knew exactly uh, how we can actually end something. And I know that the fact that medical tyranny but is not really a thing. Can you still get monkeypox if you smoke weed? Okay. <laughs> Monkeypox uh, is, is not spread well, no, by casual no, no, no. contact. Hold, hold on, because I know that you can't get yeah, COVID. It, it depends on what weed. you do with your pre-rolls, I so, suppose. <laughs> I know you can't get COVID if you smoke weed, so can you get smallpox if you smoke weed? I'm not sure that that first statement is true, so I, I, I would have to foundation for the second one to be able to say. Wait, I, I don't know what science journals you guys are reading, but I saw on Facebook. Oh, well, if Facebook says it, then it must be true. Yes. Yes, I actually heard that monkeypox, according to the folks on YouTube, actually was spread by the original group called the Monkeys. They were the first ones. Yeah. That's why it was named that. I've been smoking weed since <laughs> I was 17. I've never been sick. Well, I'm sure those two things are, are causal, right? Um, no, it, yeah, the monkeypox originated from the, I think it was the Democratic Republic of Com uh, Congo. And so now it's in the United States. It's in Florida. Uh, my sister's actually an ER nurse in um, South Mississippi, and she might have it. I found that out yesterday. So it's, it's spreading quickly, and it's going to be another thing that hopefully it's not nearly as lethal as COVID was, but it's not going to be fun either. And, you know, we now have made our country um, almost anti-medicine, which is a, a real shame because we're a place where some yeah, of the most scientific, you know, and medical um, innovations are from. And it, just listen to your doctors, people. They're trying to keep you alive. That would be my advice. <laughs> now, of course, we have our Surgeon General here in the state of Florida, who was a doctor stood in front of the Supreme Court and, and, and said that you need to, <laughs> to uh, go ahead and, and use malaria uh, medication to go ahead and get rid of COVID. So, and, and, well, and, and he called him Dr. Demon Seaman. So, you know, <laughs> he was at that uh, panel of supposedly frontline um, responders, even though he's never worked in a hospital, he's never been a licensed physician. They all pretty much were not first responders um, for COVID. And he's there when this woman starts going off about how the vaccine has demon sperm in it. And it was, you know, going to do all these horrible things to women in their souls. And, and he's sitting there nodding. And so, yeah, we call him Dr. Demon Seaman. Ah, boy. And, and of course, uh, uh, with all due respect to, Ms., uh, to Dr. Ladipo, because he is our Surgeon General, we have to give him a certain amount of respect. And he does have a huge job. But, but, but any, anything he says that's wrong, can have immense butterfly effects kind of situations. Like for instance, somebody whispered in uh, DeSantis' ear list last week that the more boosted you get, the more chance you have of getting COVID. The more what? <laughs> the, 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 more the, more, the more boosted you get, the, the more chance you have of getting COVID. They were using a CDC uh, graphic, which showed that people who were boosted uh, have a slightly higher degree of COVID. However, that may be behavioral 
as opposed to uh, actual viral because of the fact that people who are boosted the people up the who get take more chances. Are more, well, it's also not that. It's that and the fact that the people who get boosted are inherently more COVID conscious and are more likely to get themselves tested if they start to come down with symptoms versus those who don't believe in vaccines, don't believe COVID is real, and won't go to a clinic and actually take a test. There's a huge concern right now that we're massively underreporting because home tests pretty much can tell you with a high level of accuracy whether or not you're positive. I mean, when my family caught it a few weeks ago, I was the only one who went to a clinic and actually got tested. So only one of our of the four of us counted. But yeah, if you're, it's it's also a psychological thing. If you went and got all the boosters and everything, you're more likely to get tested if you actually got sick. Yeah. And of course, the situation was he totally ignored the line on the graphic, which showed that anybody who is not vaccinated has a huge amount of, of cannabis. Uh, wrong, wrong topic. <laughs> and a, a huge amount of COVID, and so therefore, just ignoring that one line, that that slight uh, propaganda by omission, automatically um, makes it look as if that particular fact is real. Don't get boosted because you'll get COVID. Is totally wrong. It's just a matter of cherry picking your facts and, and switching things around. And that is how cannabis became. Uh, yeah, Rebecca, like illegal you, in, the, in this country. I, I'm seeing a theme here in this entire conversation. It's just like the country's not trusting science anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, the that's just they what it really is. Should just not be and, trusting, you know, people like DeSantis. Well, who are not well I agree, I agree, and and quite honestly, like the both the the mission of this organization and the whole COVID p- pandemic, it lays in the same. There, there's misinformation out there spread for political gain right, that victimize cannabis users, right, or victimizes people that, that are ending up with COVID, right? Um, I, I, uh, I really would like to hear your thought on how we can get back to a science-based world. Like, I, I really don't understand how we got here in the first place, first off, because like, I mean, most of the country just does not trust, you bring up that a scientist came up with it, right? And they're like, ah, it's, false my preacher needs to, i don't know what it <laughs> i don't i don't want to victim i i tend to pick on religious people quite a bit i don't want to pick on religious people right now the fact is is that there's people out there that are not trusting scientists they're they're trusting whatever it is marketing religion whatever it is right how do we get back to a science-based way of thought she's gone oh, we Oh, she's go. back. Okay. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> Did you hear me? Daniel Sanders. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heard your question. Um, so oh, what yeah. I was uh, saying, you know, if you go back to like tobacco wars back in the 40s and 50s, they were paying, you know, doctors to do research that actually said that cigarettes were good for you. Um, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, I was told that um, one joint is the 20 cigarettes, you know, for health. And it's always been there. <laughs> I the remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the difference between now and that is, is that there was this kind of understanding within the media that we did not give credence to things that were patently false. And so they fell into some of those traps, obviously, but it was not commonplace to see people spreading misinformation all over, you know, CNN Jake Tapper's show is one of the people that's most guilty of that, you know, or trying to present two views that are not balanced as equal parts. 
you know, the going out of your way to be contrarian. There was a kind of buffer zone. And partly the internet is to blame with that because anybody can, you know, start a website and then put craziness on it and, you know, tell people, oh, look at all these like papers that prove that, you know, um, that this vaccine is dangerous and blah, 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 even though it's not true. But it, it is a large part is the media. I mean, we had when schools reopened, we had people on CNN telling people that kids couldn't get COVID, uh, which is false, or that, you know, that schools were somehow a, a magical barrier to COVID and that teachers and staff would not get sick and die left and right, which was false. They did. And that it wouldn't exacerbate, you know, community spread, which it did. Um, but these people were not just allowed airtime, they were promoted. They were, you know, doing shows left and right. We had people who became staples for this kinds of misinformation that would just do the circuit. And that's something to me that's most egregious that the media's mishandling of, they don't understand how to handle this kind of information, not realizing that every time they cover one of these things, they're just further propagating this misinformation. And um, that's one of the biggest problems. It's probably the one that's easiest to fix too, because if we all call the media to stop doing it and we refuse to you know, watch Jake Tapper or any of those other shows that do it, especially Fox, obviously, um, then it would stop, but we don't. Yeah, and of course, now where you live uh, right now, uh, it's Gambia, Santa Rosa County, uh, big, big Second Amendment folks out that way. Yep. <laughs> I, I think, it was, was, was it Gates or was it Trump who, who said that uh, up in Pensacola, up in the panhandle, if anybody disagreed with you, you could always shoot them. And that, <laughs> that only happens over in the, in, in the panhandle. I'm not sure who said that, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think that was that far off. <laughs> it, it got a big I mean, laugh out of the audience, and that made me very uneasy because they were agreeing it, it, with them at the time. Well, it's it's strange right now for me, I think, because there's actually um, an FBI manhunt underway for someone who threatened to kill me and my family um, about a week and a half ago from my oh, district shit. who called our cell phones. Uh, didn't block his number, didn't even try to hide who he was. And the uh, FBI has been looking for him since Thursday the 21st. So, yeah, it's Jeez. a little more serious right now. I mean, I, I like brevity and, you know, levity as much as the next person. But there's a difference between, you know, being a pro-Second Amendment place and being a pro-violence place. And I don't think we're a pro-violence place. I think that people understand that they are entitled to certain rights but that does not give them license to be violent animals. I think that's a common misconception about people. Um, but then there are a handful of people that are dangerous. And there being, this was a Matt Gates supporter who repeatedly told me he was a Matt Gates supporter when he texted me over three days, telling me that women don't belong in office because we're too emotional and have too many personalities. The guy who threatened to kill my family said that we're too emotional and, and have too many personalities. But, um, it's, it's not always wow. necessarily tied to the same thing, you know, and I don't want to kind of bash on people who that technically, you know, they have those rights. That's the Second Amendment. It exists in the Constitution and make them seem like everybody up here is crazy and a redneck. And I mean, I grew up in South Mississippi in a place that's a hell of a lot more redneck than this area. And they're not inherently violent people either. They're not going to shoot people for disagreeing with them. But it is also a very serious risk that as a candidate I have to deal with. And right now more than I have in the past, um, which says a lot because I have an entire Twitter troll army dedicated to harassing anybody who says my name 24 seven. Strange world. Wow. 
right, and right. yet you have to be able to work with the, with the, the GOP as you're moving forward if you're gonna have any. Rebecca, let me just say at the beginning, I thought you were cool. Now I think you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, to be able to stare you, some shit like that in you the handed face. out the badass badge without to, telling no, me. Wow, you know, cool. like, like to stare some shit like that in the face and, and to keep on going and see, keep standing for what you're standing for. Good job. Good Thanks. Job. <laughs> now, how do you intend on, the, on handling the issue in regards to bipartisanship? I mean, right now you you are in a fairly red district. There's no question about that. In order to get get past that, you have to find folks who are willing to uh, to stride stride that line and say realize that if you're if you're you are identified strictly by your political party, then you have identity crisis. Yes, essentially, that you have to be able to think. And we we are we are thinking very in myopic terms right now, and both. In, in the, both the left and the right, and that to me is concerning because you can't get things done if you're if you want to be totally one-sided. Correct. And I've never been a totally one-sided person. Most people got to know me as a scientist who was objective and just wanted them to have information, not as a political figure. As much as you know, DeSantis loved to politicize me. I never spoke out about politics the entire time I was in my role as a science advocate. That was not until he you know ordered police to raid my home gunpoint without a warrant. Um, that wait, wait, what politics. happened? I didn't know but that there, okay. Yeah, that was a viral oh, video. Oh boy! Oh really? Yeah, I'll, I'll show it to you yeah. later on. Oh. I think it's out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. Um, but yeah, that's that's when I uh, well, you thought I was a badass for getting threatened to be killed. You should go look at the video under my head and the gun pointed at my kids. Um, then you'll really like me. <laughs> but uh, oh, wow. it's, it's about fairness and. and you know, trying to be honest with people, and that's not something that we've had in a lot of politics. It's certainly not something we've had from Matt Gates. People who don't exploit each other or try to turn their neighbors against each other and look, say, here, these are the laws that we have. We have to follow them. If we need to change one, then we change one. If we're coming short, if the government is failing to do something, then we need to make up for that, you know, like the PACT Act, um, which for my district is incredibly important. It was the basically the healthcare funding bill for people who are exposed to toxic substances in the military. You know, if we, if somebody loses a limb in the military, then they get four, I think it's $4,560 a month, every single month for the rest of their life. But if they acquire, you know, a rare type of cancer from burn pits or uh, God forbid, you know, agent orange exposure, they were paid 3,200 total for their life. You know, and so we don't treat these kind of unseen illnesses the way that we do seen illnesses. And that also goes into PTSD and, you know, suicide and TBIs and other things. And this bill was over a decade in the making and the GOP shut it down. You know, and it's like that kind of stuff. It's like, look, we made promises. We're going to keep them. That's it. You know, we need infrastructure. We need to pay our teachers. We need to take care of these basic things that affect our actual day-to-day -day lives and stop arguing about things that are never going to change. And that's kind of how we've been able to do this. This is like people get very upset sometimes and start asking me about abortion. And I try to, you know, understand where they're coming from, but I'm at the same time saying, look, does this impact you on your drive to work? Like at the end of the month, can you afford to pay all of your bills and how will changing that help you? You know, and, and what is the thing that actually impacts your everyday life that I can help you with? And that's what public service is supposed to be. And that's what I'm trying to bring it back to. Great. I mean, I'm, I'm an independent. Uh, people know that I'm, I'm kind of left leaning, but I, I want to be, make certain that I have the ability to go ahead and uh, 
go after both sides equally to make sure that everybody's doing their jobs because it, 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 your political party doesn't necessarily make you right. <laughs> it, no, it does not. No, it does not. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. I, I could say that, you know, for every political party, that not everybody who runs with your party, whichever one it is, is a saint. Um, I know that it's politics is nasty. And, you know, there is something to be said about what it would be like if we didn't have parties and people could just run as individuals and you had to learn about who they were and what they stand for and what they're going to fight for. But the reality is that's not America right now. And, you know, we have to deal with the system that we're in until we can make it better. I mean, Mississippi, where, where you grew up, uh, by the way, shout out to Barb and Picayune. I'm still thinking about you. <laughs> we, 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 we have friends Barbara, in all the states right here. I had my wedding cake made in Picayune. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I did. They have an amazing bakery uh, right off the highway. I forget what it's called, but I, that's where I had my wedding cake. I got married in Slidell. I grew up in South Mississippi, so that's my that's my back, you know, yard. Don't tell me it was it was uh, red velvet. I'm sorry. <laughs> was it a red velvet cake? No, they were amazing. I actually had cupcakes. They were uh, they had magnolias right. on the top of them. It was beautiful. Very cool. I got married cool. in a bayou in South Louisiana, so you know. Mm. And Mississippi, in, in our world, uh, is, is interesting in regards that they actually passed a ballot initiative to go ahead and legalize cannabis, and yet the governor shut it down, and the legislator shut it down. Oh, Tater? Yeah. Governor Tater? <laughs> you know, Mississippi, where I grew up, uh, we're used to being at the bottom of the list for pretty much everything. Um, healthcare, you know, economics, uh, education, wealth poverty, all pretty much if there's a stat out there, we're at the bottom. But I will say this, when I started tracking schools, uh, COVID-19 and schools nationwide with Google, we were the only people who apparently cared enough to do it. Mississippi was the first state in the entire country that started reporting the number of student and staff cases in their schools for every single district in their state. It's the only time I've been like, hey, we were at the first of something that was really good. Um, so that's the only credit I'll ever give Tater, but he deserves that one. You know, <laughs> David Banner is also a pretty cool writer. You know, like there, there's some cool stuff out of there. Absolutely, and, yeah. and, and you know, I, I, I have a lot of you know, love for Mississippi. I spend a lot of time in New Orleans. And to that's in Louisiana. To find some sanity. <laughs> and, yeah, Louisiana, Louisiana, and, and, and pick you, but you know that's the way it is. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in an area of Mississippi that was more Louisiana, you know, more Cajun than Dixie, you know, we say, yeah. so. And, and sometimes Mississippi was just, you know, a segue to Dolphin Island for us. We just have to go past it to get to, to where else we wanted to go. But we, we, we want to see you in Congress. We want to see you successful. What are the major points in your platform right now moving forward? Uh, well, a return to evidence-based decision-making would be fantastic. Um, so trying to use science, to use data in the most impartial manner to examine issues before we make decisions or make laws on them. We don't do that enough. We don't require studies to see what the impact of something might be on economics or health or the environment. We need to start really, truly assessing that in a nonpartisan way, not with think tanks that, you know, obviously have an agenda. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of issues with our, most people right now can't afford their bills. And that's, that's the reality. Nobody wants to say it, but we, our country, especially my state, is becoming unaffordable. 
rent is increasing, inflation's hurting a lot of families, you know, working class families and Americans are carrying the brunt of the tax burden that keeps our country going and we need to change that. We need to lower taxes for working Americans and middle class families and the working poor um, because right now it's too high. The fact that a teacher who makes 40 pays about the same tax rate as somebody like and we need to make sure that we're investing in our population and public education, the things that used to define American life. That is what we're fighting for. I didn't grow up rich. Like I said, South Mississippi, uh, my dad's a truck driver. So I know what it's like to struggle every single month just to make ends meet. When you don't buy anything, you don't do anything, you don't have new cars, you don't go on vacation. And it's it feels like you can't breathe all the time. And I think America really just needs a break. And I think people who keep this country running need to be able to breathe again. And so that's that's what we're trying to do. And, and what would you say to the folks over on the GOP who uh, are, are really confused as to who to vote for and who might be interested in, uh, after the primary, of course, jumping party lines if, if, if they feel it's necessary? That's a, that's a harder one. Yeah, sorry, that's a, <laughs> a, a hardball. But no, it's, it's, it's a necessary evil. You know, my... my some of my best friends are Republicans. My dad is a Republican. Just because you're a Republican doesn't mean that you have to support Matt Gates. Matt Gates is not, I mean, a good person. He's done nothing for Florida. I mean, he's been there for three terms going for a fourth and has accomplished nothing for our district. You know, he can't work with his own party and they won't support him in bills that actually should be passed. And he's written some of bills that have needed to be passed and nobody will work with them. We need somebody who can actually get something done for our district and God would never do something intentionally to try to hurt other people. And that's, the, it doesn't have to be angry. You don't need to be angry. You can call me and tell me what is wrong and tell me how the government is in your way or needs to step up and I'll do it because it's what I'm supposed to do. It's a job and I'll actually do the job. And we don't have that right now. Well, we're, we're looking forward to a very interesting race come November. Hopefully, we'll be able to to cruise past all the uh, the the bullshit and <laughs> and stand on the truth for a while. That would yeah, okay. Be cool. And, and, and how Scott. how can people get a hold of you, contact you, uh, contribute to your campaign? Because I don't know how much the support the Democratic Party is giving you right now, because they tend to like pick winners and losers or decide where to throw their money. I'm hoping that they're supporting. But if not, where can people support you? So um, we're trying to make our website easier to get to because my first name is spelled strange. So you can go to votejones2022.com um, and that will take you to our main website. It has donate links, everything that you need. We're also on you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, not Twitter. Um, but that's a whole other story in and of itself. But yeah, I mean, you can email me. I answer my emails. You know, we always are willing to meet with people in the district. Um, doesn't matter what viewpoint you are. So please reach out, you know, volunteer, donate. It's important that we really mobilize this November because this is an important election. Yeah, absolutely. And now that you've earned your badass badge from Carlos, you are well on your way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Bye, guys.
Well, that that is uh, another one in the can so far, as far as uh, the cannabis, the, the uh, candidates are concerned. Like I said, we got one month, and we have uh, only a couple of Sundays left to go ahead and get folks on who want to come out and speak. And if you are a Republican or a Democrat or independent uh, Green Party, I think you guys can stay home. Libertarians, we're always welcoming you guys because you're funny as hell. Uh, so if you if, if you're a candidate and you want to come on, contact us at info at suncoastnormal.org and we'll get you on so you can we go ahead and, and we and have no problem talking to republicans we have so absolutely you know. no problem mark santiago they, so you know yeah they have a problem to to see us so yeah. we we have invited every single one of them and uh we've only gotten a couple to come on although uh we expect that to change because we are a conduit for change here it is. You've been doing such a good job getting uh, all these uh, interviews and whatnot. I mean, we still got these uh, these interviews in the background with the uh, uh, oh shit, I didn't. I you know what, Gary? I want to apologize because I am not high for this show. This is <laughs> no I, I, just, I just realized that I missed the the music theme for both uh, things, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I noticed that. You we're like, why aren't you telling them to tell us? Tell them, the way? but um, we have these uh, these what is it? Two more, three more minute interviews in the in the backdrop here, um, and I'm thinking we uh, in the can. We need to. Is that the term? Um, we've got. I, I I'm thinking we need to get together on Thursday or Wednesday or something, and 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 put a show together just to get more info about candidates out there. Yes, and as long as our website is working, which GoDaddy gave us a run for our money this last week, or was which, it was it Wix? Which, but well, it was it was GoDaddy and uh, that that had the issue because the domain's hosted on GoDaddy, but the site is hosted on Wix. Ah. But so who's your GoDaddy? The site's back up. The site's actually back up already. So. Well, they will, we'll be archiving all the candidate interviews there too, and uh -huh. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and post them on Clarity Pack, so you can go ahead and hear what the candidates have to say. If it, if it's one in your district that you can go ahead and vote for. Yeah. In, in the meantime, we're going to keep pushing to make sure we have a strong medical program here in, in Florida that is growing every every day, and we want you to be part of the change here in the state of Florida. Here comes our commercial. <laughs> If you go to suncoastnormal.org of our organization and help make the change happen, you will get a fantastic gold pin, which you can tell folks in the supermarket means that you are part of the movement, or if they're upset, tell them it's a maple leaf and you're Canadian. However you want to work it, that's fine, but you do get a membership card. And, of course, discounts here over at the Chillum CBD. Wait, that's not a weed leaf in the Canadian flag? <sighs> No, they they, they 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 drew it wrong. God, I need some fucking weed, man. Um. <laughs> See, this is this is what happens if your mind is constantly that way. You have to function that way. That's the yeah. way it works. Well, um, we need to legalize. So join normal. Also, you should check out our podcasts on Facebook, Pandora, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, or iTunes. And you can watch us live on your Twitch. And um, yeah, on our website. Our website's back up, suncoastnormal.org. And we will have more candidates, both for the cabinet positions and state legislature and Congress, like we did today. And we will so, help inform you so you can make a decision. What do you think? Thursday? Thursday, we should do another show. Thursday sounds fine to me. Thursday, you want to do it at 11 again? 
Yeah, I got I got a stress test on Monday. I don't know why they even bother testing me for. I already know I'm stressed. Are you, you going to become a Scientologist? I think so. Although oh. they have a very nice place over in St. Petersburg, Clearwater area. Yeah, they got the the Centro here too. But anyways, we'll see. I hear if, Tom Cruise hangs out. <laughs> we'll see you Thursday. We'll do some Espanol and some some regular English candidate spotlights that day. But we will not be offering salami in our Cuban sandwiches. No salami. No Italians in that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at SuncoastNormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.